your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets for our podcast Twitter handle as well. As always, if you enjoyed this episode and want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the Greenroom app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. On tonight's episode, I thought there would be a couple of important topics to discuss. One of them, of course, will be uh, Montreal versus Vegas and the resolution to that series. And then we'll have some thoughts from Tampa Bay versus the Islanders game number seven. I don't know if we'll have the full conclusion of this match before uh, the end of this podcast recording, but at least you'll get a decent sense of what it's like in this game because it's been a little bit one-sided, and I think you can tell which team is probably dominating so far. We'll wait to get to that, though, and then closing us out for this evening, I thought it would be very important to talk about the current scandal with the Chicago Blackhawks involving the sex assault case that is currently under investigation right now, and, you know, this one actually does pertain to the Jets in a couple of areas, and I feel like it's rather important to discuss the potential implications of what may happen if things come out, especially the stuff surrounding potentially uh, General Manager Kevin Dayoff. We'll start off with Montreal versus the Vegas Golden Knights, though. Montreal ended up winning in overtime on a great goal, and this was a huge momentous occasion for Arturi Lekkonen, and obviously for the city of Montreal in general. The Habs are one of those teams that I think a lot of people wrote off. You know, at the start of the season, I think, looking at their squad and their roster, I kind of thought that they were going to be a good team, right? I felt like, despite maybe having a slightly underwhelming level of high-end skill talent, I felt like this was a team that was still very good. I like Claude Julien. As a head coach, I think he's a smart guy, and I think he's done a pretty good job of making a lot from a roster that doesn't have as much as a lot of other better NHL teams. And then, you know, the season kind of got underway, and unfortunately for Claude Julien, Carey Price had a bit of a stinker during the regular season. It's not super shocking. I mean, Price during the regular season, his numbers and performances over the years have been a little bit lackluster, right? He is being paid, like, what, $10.5 million per season? Well, at least in terms of cap space. His actual salary might not be quite as bad, but... You know, he's a very expensive goalie. He's being paid like a franchise superstar, and during the regular season, and most of the seasons over the past several years, his performance numbers haven't exactly been what you would call superstar level. Certainly not anywhere near Vezina caliber, not even like um, top end of the league, right? He's had some dry spells over the past few seasons, so it was kind of a big deal for him to put on a really big showing during this playoffs and essentially help Montreal get through some of these really difficult rounds, but he's not been the only part of Montreal's success in the postseason. You know, this team has actually been playing a lot better since the end of the regular season in which once Ducharme was in control and started to revert, at least a few things that Claude Julien used to do, Montreal started playing like a dangerous team. Now again, they don't play the kind of hockey that I think under most circumstances you would expect a cup winner out of, I think that their road to the cup this year is a lot easier than it usually is, partially because of the uh, the divisional structure. 
if you're in a division with less high-end teams like the North Division was kind of dealing with this year, it makes it a lot easier to get through those first couple of rounds because, you know, the best team that you're probably going to face is Toronto. And Montreal, of course, put off the meme of a 3-1 turnaround in the series, so it's obviously a very big deal for the squad. They beat the top team in the North and did it in, I would say, partially convincing fashion. You know, you were starting to think maybe there's something to this team. Some of it was less than stellar, but... In this postseason, you basically just need to survive, right? So that's the biggest thing. But as good as Carey Price was, Montreal was just playing pretty decent hockey, and so it gave us some insight into what it would be like for round number two. Round number two was kind of a canter for them because the Jets were, well, something of a pushover. The Jets were definitely ailing, and so it kind of came down to what was unfortunately for the Jets a very weak squad and a very lackluster performance. Winnipeg looked tired, Montreal was fresher, faster, more dangerous, and yet somehow... You know, the Jets were supposed to be the more rested team, but you lose your number one center for the next, well, basically for the rest of the series, while also losing one of your most important defenders, and uh, the results are, are pretty self-explanatory. I think everyone sort of understands the score. So, Montreal, again, is now in the cup finals. Uh, beating Vegas was actually a pretty impressive feat, and they did it in convincing fashion. This one, no real asterisks needed. The only thing that I think you could say is that Vegas probably was feeling the uh, fatigue a little bit of playing Minnesota and Colorado back-to-back. These two teams are much tougher than facing Toronto and Winnipeg back-to-back. The Knights just really didn't have much in the tank, but I think in their final game they were decent, but certainly not at the level that you would expect Vegas to be playing at, especially against a team like Montreal. Um, And so I I kind of look at this as an interesting one-off, but I don't think Montreal's template is what I would consider one for success. You know, I've had some debates with folks. I feel like this was probably as good a chance as the Jets are going to have to advance. And yeah, I do agree. If the Jets had gotten through uh, Montreal, they'd probably get trounced by Vegas, but I think it was important for them to at least make the attempt. If the Jets had lost a really close, really tight series with Montreal, I could accept that, you know. But Winnipeg got embarrassed. They weren't even in the series to begin with. It was just depressing. And I don't think talking about Montreal as a Stanley Cup contender really does this whole series justice. I think it's more important to take a look at what Winnipeg did wrong, why they were completely non-competitive, and what needs to change going forward in the, uh, the upcoming seasons. I felt like this was about as easy of a route to the Cup as the Jets are likely to have. The last time they they had to go through Nashville, Minnesota, and Vegas didn't end well for them, unfortunately. This year would have been much softer opposition, and yet the Jets completely pissed it away. So I I sort of look at this and I feel like it was a huge missed opportunity, and it's not like I think the Jets needed to make a huge trade. Um, That probably wasn't going to fix the problems with this team. But going forward, you know, the coaching staff really needs to be reevaluated, and the same with the management staff. I think a lot of folks you know, they they probably should be let go because I think at this rate, the Jets have stagnated for far too long and it's now time for a a dose of new blood. Winnipeg needs to modernize the coaching style to fit this team because the roster is still decently talented. It's not as good as it was a couple of years ago, but there's stuff to work with. And right now, Winnipeg is kind of burying all of that talent underneath some really plotting systems. The Jets, though, do have some bigger issues to deal with right now, and we'll talk about those in just a little bit. Before then, though, we're going to dive into Tampa Bay versus the New York Islanders through two periods so far. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are going through some uh, semifinal NHL playoffs game recaps and thoughts. We've covered Vegas versus Montreal. Montreal's on to the Stanley Cup final. If somehow you live under a rock and miss that. And now the Islanders and Lightning are fighting for the chance to do the same. Through two periods, it has basically been the uh, the Tampa show. I really feel like the Lightning are ready to kill the series off. They've had a masterful game. They've frustrated just about everything the Islanders do well. 
and they have basically locked things down to the point where it doesn't really feel like the Islanders have many chances to tie this game up. It's only one nothing so far, so you really can't count the Isles out, but I think a couple of key things are, are definitely major issues for New York right now, and I think the, the first thing is that defensive zone exits have basically been at a premium. New York is just not getting out cleanly. Every time they try to exit along the walls or through the middle of the ice, there's a Tampa Bay Lightning player to meet them there immediately. It's been a very ugly exit strategy, and I feel like Tampa Bay is just stifling everything the Islanders want to do. And so New York is not really getting through the neutral zone. They're not even getting much offensive zone time. And when they finally get up the ice and into Tampa Bay's end, they're either having their shots blocked, they're not really getting good shooting or passing lanes, and it just looks like they're very frustrated. The Lightning have about two steps on them on almost every single sequence that involves plays on the puck, and it feels like Tampa Bay is just faster at everything, and right now the Islanders really can't keep up. New York just looks really gassed in my opinion. This is probably one of the more tired performances we've seen, and it really couldn't come at a worse time for the uh, for the Isles. Semyon Varlamov is doing his best to keep it at a one nothing deficit, but it's hard for the Islanders to even create space. They just don't have much to work with, and when they finally do get a rush or a counter, Tampa Bay immediately shuts it down. That's not to say there haven't been a couple of really good New York chances, one of them coming from Anthony Beauvillier on the breakaway, and then Beauvillier again later in the, uh, the, I think the second period, he had a nice tip deflection that went off the crossbar on the power play. It was just a really pretty deflection and a very near goal, but close only counts for so much, it's not a goal, so obviously the Islanders are still searching for a chance to tie this one. They desperately need at least something heading into the third period to at least force like an overtime or something because I don't think that they're going to win this in regulation. I don't even think, uh, you know, forcing overtime would matter that much other than just to extend it for as long as possible and hope for a lucky break. That's the big thing right now that the Islanders need is a fortunate break somewhere. They've been able to manufacture goals before or maybe get a lucky bounce here and there to try and beat Tampa Bay, but this game, you know, in contrast to previous games where it was a very even affair, this has not been even at all. And the lone Tampa goal was a shorthanded opportunity, which is really embarrassing. You cannot give Yanni Gord a clear lane up the middle of the ice while you're on the power play. It just can't be allowed to happen. And so I think the Islanders have a lot of work to do. They only have 20 minutes remaining in their season, potentially, if they can't force at least something beyond overtime. But it's really hard to see them coming back in this game. If, uh, if Montreal ends up facing Tampa Bay in the next round for the Cup, that's going to be a brutal series for them. I feel like, you know, in contrast to, say, a Vegas or some of these other teams that they've played, Tampa Bay doesn't really have any notable weaknesses. Their complement of forwards is franchise-slash-all-star tier. All of their players are elite scorers. They have really fast transition. Their defense is pretty good. Their goaltending is excellent. You just look at that team, and Tampa Bay, again, doesn't really have many holes to poke at. Montreal is basically going to have to lean on Carey Price being incredible because I don't know that there will be all that many opportunities for them to score on Vasilevsky. And, you know, you look at the way that Montreal likes to create space down low, and Tampa Bay, for the most part, is actually pretty good at minimizing chaos in front of their own net. While Vasilevsky did have to bail them out a lot during the regular season, during the postseason, I feel like Tampa Bay has tightened up in a lot of areas. I think what we're seeing with the Islanders right now is pretty good evidence that Tampa Bay you know, they're not going to give you that many great opportunities. You have to be ready to snatch them up when you see them. Montreal has been an opportunistic squad in the past, and I think that they will probably lean on that experience again, especially against a team that, in almost every category, probably has the edge. If somehow the Islanders end up winning this game in some bizarre fashion, you have to imagine that Montreal Islanders for the Cup would be a very defensively-minded battle, two teams that tend to like to grit and grind along the walls, and then hit you on really fast counters. 
The Isles will definitely need a lot more foot speed, though. Thus far, it just looks like they're dead on their feet right now, especially against a team like Tampa Bay that is currently skating circles around them. It's hard to even blame New York for what's happening. You have to look at this team and imagine that they've probably expended a lot of energy just to get to this point. They've had to force some overtimes, win by extremely tight margins, and just survive through rounds while, you know, Tampa Bay, for the most part, has greased through a lot of their opponents. And even though some of these teams have made Tampa work really hard, eventually the Lightning just break through. This team is built to win. They're reigning champs. It is difficult to get by this team, and I think the Islanders kind of have their number up. I feel like this is probably the end of the road for, for New York, and this is probably Tampa's time to try for a second one in a row. It's not inconceivable that Montreal is able to push the Lightning the way that the Islanders were able to, but I don't see it happening in quite the same way. I just feel like Tampa Bay... They're a little too deep for what Montreal has on offer, and I feel like in comparison to the Knights, Vegas, you know, in terms of elite goal scoring, if you shut down Mark Stone and some of their other top forwards, they didn't really have as many weapons to supplement with that. But then you go to, like, Tampa Bay, and you've got guys like Yanni Gord, Anthony Sorelli, and then, you know, on, on the top you've got Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, Victor Hedman. Um, it's just a really deep, deep team, and it is real hard to keep them off the scoreboard for very long. So I don't think that this, uh, I don't think that this series would be a particularly favorable matchup for the Habs. I feel like they would have to be nearly perfect, and I'm just not seeing it right now. We'll know soon enough if any of these teams are able to survive the gauntlet and move on to claim true glory and win the Cup, but... You know, it's going to be a tough road for everyone, and I think that includes the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. They have to see off the Islanders tonight, and if all goes well for them, they will then face Montreal on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern. So keep an eye out, book your calendars, get ready for the Stanley Cup Finals. They are on the way. That'll do for our semifinals thoughts for now. Up next, I did want to address the Chicago Blackhawks sex abuse case because it does actually pertain to folks involved in the Winnipeg Jets organization. And it is a very important matter that I feel like the league right now and not enough folks are, are maybe talking about. And there are some potentially major implications for the Jets if things come to light that Winnipeg really can't ignore. Before we go any further though, I did want to tell you about why Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. For those of you who have listened to this podcast for a long time, you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Bilt Bars. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, they're so darn delicious because they're more like a candy bar with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. They come in nine delicious flavors like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and more. But you should always stay tuned to Bilt Bar's social media and website. Bilt will occasionally drop a few wonderful limited edition, limited quantity flavors that, once they're gone, they're gone for good. Believe me when I say you simply don't want to miss greats like Churro Puff and Grasshopper. As good as Bilt Bars taste though, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 170 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. They're perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. To place your order, go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, at checkout, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Um, it's been, uh, for the NHL, a bit of an odd time, I think. Obviously, the Stanley Cup Finals and stuff are, are looming and everything, but I think for a lot of folks, there are, of course, bigger issues that are ongoing, and the biggest one right now has to be the sex abuse case involving the Chicago Blackhawks from 2010. This case in which I believe one or two players have now alleged that the uh, the video coach Bradley Aldrich sexually assaulted him has recently drawn a lot of attention because it is a massive cover-up, it sounds like, on Chicago's end. From the player descriptions and from the folks that have spoken out about it so far, it sounds like it was an open secret. People seem to know about it. The police were not really involved in the way that they needed to be, and it seems like, you know, this was a situation in which... 
power was wielded to completely ruin a person's life and their mental health. It's hard to know if the proper steps were actually taken. One of the um, one of the coaches involved in the whole situation said that he told management about the issue and that it should be reported to the police, but they essentially rejected it and covered it up instead. I think it's more troubling that, you know, there was knowledge of this among other players and other coaching staff members and members of the Chicago Blackhawks organization in general. It sounds like a lot of folks knew about it. People didn't really speak up about it or, or fight it enough. And now, a little over a decade later, we're here at this point where it's a huge mess and a really horrific situation for all of the victims involved, because it, it extends beyond the Blackhawks at this point. It sounds like this video coach, Aldrich, had you know inappropriate sexual conduct with minors, too. I did mention earlier that this likely pertains to the Jets because Kevin Sheveldayoff was an assistant general manager at the time. I believe it was with the Chicago Wolves, so I don't know how much he was involved with the main organization. And obviously, at this time, the investigations are still ongoing, and it's not clear just how deep this whole issue went. I feel like it'd be hard for, for staff members and, and coaching staffs and management staffs to not know this was going on. But if Sheveldayoff was, in fact, you know, a member of the AHL squad and really didn't have interactions with the main club, that would probably be a bit of a different story. That said, you know, the full investigation needs to be run through, and if Sheveldayoff did actually know anything about this, he needs to be let go immediately. I think the Jets probably understand this as well, and I don't know if they've taken a lot of precautionary steps to prepare for this, but obviously the situation is horrific. It, you know, if Sheveldayoff had any sort of knowledge, it's basically a non-starter. He has to go immediately, and it's going to throw the entire next season likely into chaos, but that's part of, you know, essentially working towards justice and hopefully bringing some measure of accountability to a horrific situation. I don't know if that's going to happen necessarily. I don't know if Sheveldayoff is actually going to be found you know, so to speak, guilty of all the stuff that's been alleged. For the victim's sake, I really hope Sheveldayoff had no involvement in this and didn't know about it, because if he did, and he didn't do anything as a member of the organization, I'd be very, very disappointed. I also wouldn't be surprised, because the culture of the NHL is to bury stuff like this, so obviously there's a lot of information that needs to be discussed, and a lot of investigations that will need to be run through. But it will be a situation to monitor closely because, of course, Sheveldayoff is managing the Jets, and if anything comes out that ties him directly to the situation, I can't imagine that Winnipeg will waste much time. He'll be out. He would have to be out. I don't think that there's a way that you can keep him on the payroll, and I would strongly advise the Jets against doing that for obvious reasons, morals and ethics and all that. I know that the pro sports world doesn't really have many of those, but I feel like we can have at least some base level, you know, boundaries and stuff, so we'll see what happens. I don't really know what to say about the situation beyond the facts and the reality of how horrific the situation is. Obviously for these players who, you know, their names are not known, but it doesn't matter. It sounds like a lot of folks are aware of the situation and saw it happen. They knew what was going on. It's a tragedy in so many respects. And, I, you know, the only thing that we can hope for is that Aldrich is brought to justice. It won't fix everything that he's done, but at least some measure of, of justice can be done for the victims who, you know, suffered at his hands. The Blackhawks also have a lot of answering to do. They really need to be held accountable for everything that's happened. And everyone who was tied to that situation, yeah, they need to be testifying. They need to be investigated, all that stuff. I mean, it's got to be a whole process to find out as much of the truth as they can. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on the whole situation and what you think should be done in this process, how the Jets should handle it. They've basically deferred to the Blackhawks for now, which 
which is more or less what you would expect. I don't think Winnipeg is going to be making many public statements. They've said that, you know, just ask the, the Blackhawks about this rather than going through the Jets PR. But I'm sure that internally there is quite a bit of chaos over the situation and folks are asking a lot of questions. Let me know your thoughts at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. For tonight's episode, that will do it though. Before you log off, be sure to check out one of our other wonderful podcasts. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.